Gratitude That's my everyday What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee. My guest today is Ian Creighton. He is, uh, be- he's become a really good friend, as most of my podcast guests over the last couple years on this wild journey. Um, we met through the Fit for Service Mastermind with Aubrey Marcus. We talked a little bit about that in the podcast, but I just wanted to bring him on to share his story because I think it's really relatable in a lot of ways, um, relatable to my experience. Um, but I think just, you know, going out and basically had a job, um, making a lot of money in wall street, living the, uh, quote unquote American dream and still felt unsatisfied, felt burnt out. Um, and just was unhappy in his job. And I think that's just a all too common story in our society and our culture. And you know, Ian had a, a lot of resistance to uh, spirituality and God and even vulnerability. He didn't know how to open up and communicate his feelings. And, you know, it's just really fascinating the journey that he's been on and how he's reconnected with himself and opened up to these different concepts uh, through his own curiosity and exploration. And so it's just a really grounded conversation. We do talk about the unanswerable questions of the universe because that's my favorite thing to talk about. And it's it's really good. We explore all that stuff. But his his journey and his story is just really grounded in, you know, being curious, having the desire for experience in this life and learning, uh, through experience, uh, what is true for him. And he, he's really into human optimization. He shares a lot of tools about feeling good physically, just all around really amazing conversation. And I know you're really going to enjoy it. And if you are a premium subscriber to this podcast, make sure that you stay towards the very end for the extended version where I ask Ian what his secret to the universe is. Uh, It's really good. And if you're not a premium subscriber, it's $7 a month. There is a link in the show notes. Go check it out. If you feel called to support this podcast financially, uh, it not only helps me to build this content out um, and bring more premium content to you, um, but it also, you know, allows me to uh, or you have access to a lot more stuff and, uh, really grateful if that's something you do. Um, even doing something cool where I'm going to be, if you're a premium member, you're going to be able to drop into live podcasts and there's a lot of other ideas I'm coming out with and it's only $7 a month. So it's, you know, about this the amount of a, a Starbucks coffee. Uh, and it goes a long way into supporting me building out, um, this podcast. Uh, there's a lot of backend work that goes into this. It's not just me. I have a team sound editor, shout out Graham and, uh, you know, assistant and all this stuff to help produce this content and bring on guests. And I'm going to start bringing on bigger and bigger guests. Um, that being said, let me know if there's anybody that you want me to bring on, uh, leave a review with their name, um, send it to me on Instagram. Um, and that's another way you can support this podcast for free is just leave a review, rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, and share it with your friends. It goes a long way. And I really appreciate all the help. Um, Also, what else I'm working on? The Heart Collective. If you are a former pro athlete looking for community, for support, it's had such a profound impact on me, just the community of like-minded people like Ian here and and the work that we can do in the presence of others, Uh, really trying to bring this work to uh, the former athlete community, um, really special individuals who can really show up and and do big things in life, Uh, just feeling a part of a, a team, a brotherhood, just like we were when we were playing. Uh, that's really the vision. So if you're interested in that, go to theheartcollective.com, H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com, fill out an application. Also coming out with a new sh- content strategy, we are hosting 
one to two master classes a month with a wide variety of different content. Actually, Ian's going to do one on human optimization soon. So if you don't want to miss that, that's for athletes and non-athletes. So anybody can participate. Go to theheartcollective.com, put your email address in so you can keep up to date with all the amazing stuff we're creating. Also, I want to shout out to my wife, growmotely.com, her business tech platform, fully remote job positions. So if you are an employer that owns a small to medium-sized business looking for remote talent from all over the world, check it out. If you're an employee looking for a job, looking to create a life that you want to live, um, like me and Sarah, freedom is our highest value and we are creators and you don't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur to be a creator and, 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 and live a life of freedom. Uh, now with the way the world's opening up, you can find a job that aligns with the energy, the culture, and the vision of making, adding your energy and value into something greater. And uh, this job platform will, will help you find and align with the right team. So go check that out, growmotely.com. And I think that's it. Appreciate all you um, so much. Thanks for the love. We are hitting the road soon, and I'm going to be doing these podcasts on the road. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot more content on YouTube as well. So if you don't follow me on there, and actually this video is uh, is going to be on YouTube as well. So if you want to watch it and visually see me and uh, Ian having our conversation, go check that out. Don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, follow me on Instagram, follow my newsletter, all amazing stuff coming out. Love you all so much. Thanks for the support. And without further ado, here's Ian. Ian, what's up, brother? Here we go. What's up, Joe? Thanks for having me, brother. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to be here in your home. It's, uh, it feels special being here and not being over a FaceTime or a Zoom call. Yeah, we were going to do this a couple weeks ago. Uh, you live in New York, right? I was in Canada at the time. Canada. Yeah. Came down to Austin for a few weeks. Yeah, I'm here for a month. You excited? Yeah, I'm pumped. What do you got going on it's while you're here? to be here. Um, so I'm kind of in a transitory period, so I'm you know looking into some opportunities while I'm here and a couple leads on some things and trying to figure out what the next step is. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of people are in that space of transition, trying to figure out, you know, even with what the world looks like, you know, how we show up and relate. And I'd love to, you know, to start there where, where, where your, uh, your, your journey, a little bit yeah. about your journey. And um, mm. so take us back to kind of your old life, what you were doing then, and then we'll get into kind of the transformation that's been taking place over the last couple of years. Yeah, that sounds good. I'd love to uh, love to get into it. Um, yeah, it's been a very interesting road. Um, I started out <clears throat> my career, so to speak, was in uh, finance. So I basically got us s- better. There we go. So I graduated, and you know, growing up, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, and I was good with numbers and whatnot, and it just seemed that. Um, people were like kind of stewarding me towards being in like a job with number related. So I basically got into investment banking, um, which I thought at the time was like this big win. I was like, oh wow, this coveted job that everyone wants. There's books written about. And it was at first like, you know, super interesting. I was just thrown into this world of like high finance with all these like crazy, you know, wealthy people. And it's very intense. And, you know, I learned a ton about all these different, things, financial modeling and working with CEOs of these massive companies. And it was interesting for, for about, I don't know, six months. And then I was working about, you know, 90 hour weeks, sometimes more. And, uh, was it it right away you got into that or you went to college for it and you kind of just had this vision of doing it 
but you never really felt super called to it? Yeah, I just, I got, I don't know. I just kind of felt, I didn't really feel called to it, but I just felt like I, you know, it was this highly sought after thing. It was a hard job to get. A lot of money in it? A lot of money. Yeah, I was making like six figures as a, you know, a 20 year old. Wow. You know, like right out of the gate. And so it was, it was actually the American dream as it the, were the American dream. And it really distorts your, your, your value of money because money, you don't, you don't really think about it that much because mm. you just, there's just at that age, you know, my rent wasn't very much. I was living in Toronto at the time. My first job was in Toronto and um, I never had to worry about money. Money was never a thing because I just had plenty of it. I didn't have anything to spend it on mm. other than going out, which is what I did. And, uh, and yeah, it was it. It would work at 90 hours a week. So you don't have time to do anything else. So it was just like party on the weekends and work your nuts off all week and all weekend and working seven days a week. Well, so what were you doing exactly with these investment bankers? What was your role? So that, this was only my first job out of college and then I transitioned to New York. Um, but was it, New York a lot more intense? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about okay. it. So investment banking was more like I was helping comp I worked in, in mergers and acquisitions. So I was basically helping big companies buy other companies or other assets. And that's happening all the time. All the time, yeah. all the time. And so like investment banking is this like weird category of job where it can mean a lot of different things. But traditionally that's what it was like from uh, like American Psycho, if that, that movie rings a bell with anybody with uh, Christian Bale, he worked in Emmett Murders and Acquisitions. <laughs> um, so it's kind of, and it was, there was like parts of that story that are like, like that, you know, people mm. were trying to compete on who has the nicest suit and who's got the best tailor and, and just all this nonsense. Weird know? stories just, that everybody's living. Just weird stories. And I knew pretty quickly, I was like, I can't live like this. Like I can't work this much. It's just not healthy. Mm. And I never really bought into like, oh yeah, this is going to be my career. So after about three years or two and a half years, I got promoted. And the day after I got promoted, I quit. I went into the boss and I was just like, yeah, I can't do this anymore, but I wanted that promotion so I could have it on my resume. And um, yeah, I basically waited for my bonus check to clear. And then I was like, all right, I'm out. And I went to South America for uh, about seven or eight months. And uh, I was backpacking. I met a friend down there and we just, <clears throat> we were cruising around Patagonia, Argentina, Chile. Was that the first time you went traveling? No, it was the second. I did it out of, as soon as I was done college, before I started investment banking, I, I did a little roundabout. I flew to Ecuador with a one-way ticket and didn't have any plans of when I was going to come back. And I ended up taking buses all the way from Ecuador through Peru, Bolivia, Chile, Argentina, and I finished in Brazil. Wow. Yeah. What was I, the, what was the, what was the call to go? Cause I think, especially for Americans, it's like, yeah, that the world's such a scary place and travel is such a scary thing. I know the first time I traveled, it was like, before I traveled, it was like, there's this unknown that I was heading into. But then as soon as I left the country, I went to Costa Rica for 10 days on similar like backpack trip, wasn't as long, but it changed my life mm -hmm. forever. What was that initial calling to go do something like that and experience something like that? And then talk about how that journey transformed you. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. I, so as Canadians, I think we're a little better about travel than Americans in general, a little bit, not, we're not as good as, as Europeans and Australians, but, um, but we are a little bit more open to traveling. Whereas in the U S and I understand the rationale, it's like a mentality because the U S is a very, uh, there's a lot of places you can go in the U S that are mm, super fascinating. Very diverse country. Very diverse. Like you got, you know, you got the mountains in Utah and like the Moab and all the national parks and you got Southern California and you got here. Like it's just, there's just so much diversity within the country, but that's just 
that's just physical diversity. Mm. It's not cultural, cultural diversity. Yep. And so I had a history teacher in high school who got put the travel bug in me. And uh, he would talk about his travels. He went backpacking for two years and I was always just fascinated by it. And, and I'm, I'm just a naturally curious person, which is why I'm sitting here talking to you. <laughs> we probably wouldn't be here if I wasn't like this. Curiosity, Curiosity. is the, the secret sauce, I think. Yeah, and so I was just fascinated. And so when I, I the day I wrote my, I took my last exam, I, I didn't even graduate. I just got on a plane and went to Ecuador. Didn't speak Spanish, had no idea what I was doing. But I was just like, I got to do this. And uh, it was scary as hell. Got, mm. I landed in Quito, which is, you know, Ecuador's a, a I wouldn't, it's not a third world country. I don't think, but it's, it's, it's got some sketchiness to it. Sure. And I got to the airport. I was there at 11 o'clock at night. I don't speak a word of Spanish and I'm like getting in a freaking taxi. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I hope this take, this guy takes me where I need to go, but I can't communicate with him. Oh. And it's all those stories like are very much alive when you first leave the country. Like this yeah. could be the the taken right here. Like I could go get murdered. Yeah, that's how, that's how I felt. Yeah. And then sure enough, I got there and I finally got settled in two days in or three days in. Uh, we went out one night. I went out with some of the guys and the some of the people in the hostel. And on the way back, we were walking back. It was late, and uh, f- like you know, three guys came out with knives. No shit. Yeah, they tried to jump us, and um, you were with a friend. I was with two guys. Okay. And I was like, I had had some drinks and stuff, and I for whatever reason I wasn't threatened. I because they were little, and I could tell they were scared because mm. we were bigger, mm-hmm. and I just kind of like walked away and they ended up taking one of the guys I was with like some money from them. But I, I don't know. I, I just kind of like walked away and they didn't really do anything, which is weird. But, I, but that's the first time I've had, like I grew up in a small town in Canada. Like I never had a knife pulled on me before. And it's weird how you can feel the energy of that too. Like if someone had a different energetic posture of like, I'm really going to hurt you. Yeah. Your energy would have been different, but you could tell. I could tell it wasn't. Like they're not really going to want to hurt me. They just want some money and yeah, and then feel that. Sure enough, like a month later, same thing happened. I was in Peru. I was in Lima. Again, I was in a place I probably shouldn't have been as it got dark. And someone said like, when it's dark, you shouldn't be there. And it just got dark. And I kind of remember being like, shit, I got to get out of here. And I was with this Irish guy and uh, we got jumped again. Um, And this time they grabbed me and uh, lifted me off the ground. They didn't hurt me really. They just kind of lifted me up and took everything in my pockets, which was not that much. I didn't have my passport or my actual wallet. I just had up some oh, cash. Thank God. And they just like took took what I had in my wallet and kind of dropped me. And I was just so disoriented. They, they all took off running in every direction. And I was just like, oh, that was it just like the adrenaline was pumping. I was just mm. like, you know, that could have been a lot worse. Yep. And so back those after those two things, I was like, okay, I, I know I got to be careful, mm. you know? And so ever since then, and now it's funny how you learn like, I see a room now and if I'm in a place that I don't feel is right, I, I sense it immediately. And I know, like I know what to look for. Mm, you and can I, feel it in your body. That's what happens when you're connected to your emotional body. And yeah, you feel it. yeah. Yeah. It's like energetically, you're just, you feel there's something wrong and you're, so mm. you scope the room out and, or the situation. Out. And it doesn't happen much now. Um, Cause I haven't been put myself in those situations, but if it happened, I know I would be like in tune with it. Mm. Um, but yeah, the travel was just like, I just, something I needed to do. And it was, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was definitely like a cool experience. And as soon as I got back, I went straight into this world of working 90 hours a week. And, you know, just, it was just like, oh man. Um, and since you had experienced the freedom of traveling and how profound that, you know, journey and story and freedom yeah. can really be, being in this job was probably even more tough because you understood like I'm choosing this story. Yeah, it was, it was. And I think, 
you know, that was, at first I didn't think that way because I was still in the mindset and it took me years to get, and we'll get into it, but it took me years to get out of that mindset. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Like you just, you kind of just rolling with what's been programmed into you, you know, like, oh, you're good at math. Okay. And you can make money working in the stock market and like, okay. And then you just kind of keep going down that path and it's like you don't even really know what you're doing it's just kind of autopilot and the next thing you know you kind of create a, a, like a shackles to it like you yeah. create these walls around you like oh I'm, I'm i gotta get to the next bonus i'm already yeah. doing this thing and it's like this always this this carrot that's dangling in front of you to keep going and it's really hard to get off that track once you start it is so it what is. led you down and decided to walk away so i'll just quickly get into the next thing so i, I left that job um, and everyone thought I was crazy. They're like, what are you doing? Cause I would like, you start making so much money and it's called, it's called golden handcuffs. Right. And it happens. I've seen it happen time and time and time again, where people start making a lot of money. They start buying nice things, cars, whatever. They have to start a family and, and they just build this life for themselves that they can't get out of because they, they need such a, a high bar just to sustain themselves. And so I quit and I went traveling again. And when I got back, I didn't have a job. It was 2008. The, the freaking market had just collapsed. It was Probably like, a good time to get out before then, huh? It was. It, well, it was. But then I got back and it was like the market. That two, I remember this so clear. I came back. I was in Canada staying at my parents' cottage. And then I remember September 08 when the market, the day the market, Lehman Brothers went bankrupt or whatever. And, and I remember thinking to myself like, wow, my plan was to get back into finance. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was like, how is this going to work now? And uh, September hit and it was starting to get cooler. And I was like, I got to get out of here. Like I can't be at my parents' house. Like I got to get the hell out of here. And so I just flew to New York and uh, I love New York. I always did. And my friend was going to Columbia business school. I stayed on his couch for a month and it was the worst time to look for a job. Like the absolute worst time to find a job. Everyone was getting laid off. And serendipitously, I met a guy, this random friend of uh, my uncle's who was like, this big time crazy man who was like this Irish dude. And we, he's like, yeah, let's meet up and we'll go get drinks. And we went and drank a bunch of whiskey and smoked cigars at this fancy cigar lounge. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what is this? And we ended up being out super late. And he, he's like, tomorrow I want you to go meet my buddy, Brian. And I'm like, okay. Got up the next day, hung over. This guy, Brian's assistant called me and he's like, she's like, yeah, can you come in and meet with Brian? I don't even know who the hell Brian is. And I get in there and he's like the head of the whole place. And mm. I'm like, not, I'm like, hung over. I'm like hung over. <laughs> and what, what ended up happening was we bonded because I, I was, a, I had my handicap golfing. Like I played golf all summer and I got my handicap down to like a one because I was playing golf. I had nothing to do. So I was playing golf every day, like twice a day. And I got so good at it. And he's a huge golfer. Like he's a, he was a member at like a, all these fancy country clubs and like he lived for it. And he was like, that bonded us. And then he introduced me to a guy who was the head producer of the, the sales team. And that guy was a former investment banker like I was. So he really liked me because he liked my skill set. And he was like, he was like, uh, yeah, I want you on my team. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Cause I was like, I didn't, I thought there was no shot. And so then I got into that world and that world was like sales. So I, I covered, it's funny, I covered hedge funds and I basically, what I did, I basically sold them ideas, right? Long and short ideas, like what they should be buying, what they should be selling. We would bring in like, uh, like CEOs and CFOs in to meet with our top clients. 
And the clients I had were some of the most successful, craziest hedge funds um, in, the, in the world. You know, like some of these guys, uh, you know, they managed billions of dollars. And I, um, if you ever saw that, saw that show Billions, it's actually based off of my biggest client. That, Whoa. Yeah, so that show is based off of this fund. I'm sure this is well known, so it's not hidden, but it's uh, called, it used to be called SAC Capital. It's now called Point72, run by this guy named Steve Cohen. And I, that show I know is based off of that firm. Hmm. And um, That must have been exciting times. Yeah, it was crazy. I was 25 years old. I had an unlimited expense account and my job was basically to, you know, pitch people ideas and stuff all day and then at night take people out. So my job was to literally form a relationship by going out at night. Mm. And so that's, a, that's the American dream. They, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Like unlimited expense account. I could go, I, as go a 20, party. I, in I, New York. party. <laughs> I could go to any restaurant. I had like all the door guys, numbers in my phone and we'd be out all the time, which was amazing for like, I could go to any sporting event, any concert, anything. It was just like free roll. Like as long as I had a client to take, just go. Mm. And um, so I was like living that life, you know, just success. And uh, how'd you feel internally during that time? At first I was like, this is great. Like, this is like such a cool thing, right? As a young person getting thrown into that, I was just like, this is great. But it wore quick, it wore thin very quickly mm. and uh, it got really brutal. Um, and I just was, I felt like I was dying. Like, I felt like my body was just dying. And I was trying to work out and it would just be like up late every night, burning at both ends. And uh, yeah, I did that for a number of years, I guess four years. And then I got into fitness in a big way. I started doing CrossFit when CrossFit was still pretty new and I just loved it. I just was like, this is amazing. What was the initial like pull towards becoming more fit and getting into your health and nutrition and physical well-being? I had always put an emphasis on I'm working out and training. It always made, it always quieted my mind and it made me feel good, but I never really enjoyed it because like these gyms are always so busy. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and then I got into CrossFit and it was like this amazing community of people. Uh, and like the workouts were efficient. They were hard. I was getting strong. Uh, it felt good. And I was like, man, this is what I need. This is what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. And I just dove head first into that world. And um, the gym I was at in New York, <clears throat> the owner, I was like, hey, you want to coach? I'm like, uh, I get maybe, uh, I guess. So I, I got certified and um, started coaching classes there while I was on Wall Street. And I basically got to the point where I, had, I was making all these excuses to get out of work so I could go coach classes. Mm. So I'd be getting up at 5 a.m., working out, going to this Wall Street job, and then at night coaching two or three classes, getting home at 11, headed to eat something. And then at bed by midnight, it was like this crazy circle where I was only sleeping four or five hours a night and just doing that almost every day. And, and you love the working out and coaching so much yeah. that you you wanted to make that a priority, even though it affected your other job. hundred percent. And yeah. it was like, it was, I was like in this gym where everyone was happy, you know, they come in, they'd be stressed out and they, they take a class like my class. And afterwards I just feel so good. And they mm. open up to you and releasing those endorphins. Yeah. And it was just like a beautiful thing. I'm like, when I go to work, everyone's, miserable and angry and yelling. How do we make more money? Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, and and stab people stab each other in the back and it's just toxic, Mm. you know? And then I made that transition. I was like, okay, I got to make this work somehow. And then, um, yeah, I got the, the the gym that I was at, they sponsored me for my visa because I was Canadian. And once that came through, I was like, all right, I'll make this leap. I had some money saved and it wasn't a huge thing at the time. So, uh, yeah, I made the leap over into like, this world of fitness, which was crazy because it got, it got into personal training. And then I got, I got introduced to these like 
kind of like celebrities and stuff and started training them and like supermodels. And it was just interesting. Like it was just how it all, all kind of played out. Like all these opportunities kind of presented themselves once I made that move. Mm. Um, was it hard then, to let go of the the Wall Street job? What was that no. journey like? Was it kind of instant? Like instant. I can't do this anymore? Instant. And I never looked back. People would ask me. Did they try to hold on to you or like give you some incentives to stay? Um, they, everyone thought I was crazy, yeah. but they didn't really try to keep me. Yeah. I had made my mind up and when I talked to them, they knew it. Yeah. And, uh, but it's like, I'm I've, sure it happens to them all the time. Like people get to yeah. a point where they're, they're burnt out and they leave and then yeah. the next guy comes in. Next and guy comes burn. in. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was on the up and up there too. Like it, it's hard to walk away. It's hard to walk away from that much money. Mm. You know, like at that point, I don't know how much money I was making, but it was a lot <laughs> like around like half a million bucks or something like that. Yeah, people look at you like crazy. I had a very similar thing with football, right? Like yeah. my body was burnt out physically, but it was more than that. It was the emotional strain, the mental strain, the performance anxiety. Everybody's always uptight if you're losing and walking away from literally millions of dollars. Like yeah. people didn't understand because they yeah. weren't in the experience. Right. There's more to money. When you're making that much money and you have a certain amount of money where you can really buy anything that you've ever thought of, mm-hmm. you know, it, it loses its zeal. It's like when you have that, like, oh, if I had this much money, I'd buy this thing. But when you actually can buy that thing, it's like, wait, what, what's the intention behind buying this thing? I don't right. really need it anymore. And then you start learning how money works and you can save it and have the money make money for you. Mm-hmm. It creates financial freedom rather than and trying abundance. to get stuff, right? And then you yeah. have that abundance mindset. But it's it's funny when you get to that point, you're like, okay, what am I really working for? More money? Yeah. And I think, you know, some people get to that. I'm really grateful. And it seems like you had that similar experience of getting to that point at a very young age. So you can actually ask these deeper questions. Like, mm-hmm. what, what am I here for? How can I actually show up and be happy? Yeah. And it seems like you found that in training. So take yeah. us back to that. Well, also, I'll just add to that, that I think for me too, when I was working on Wall Street, I, I came to the realization that I was like looking at my bosses and like everyone who I was trying to, not aspire to, but like that was that's, the next progression. Yeah, that's where I would end up. Yeah, and I would look at them and I'd go to their houses and I'd just see what their lives are like. And I'm like, that's not a life. I don't want that life. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't need these things. And I, I was never a big... Uh, spender. Like I didn't buy all these fancy cars and all these things. I just didn't care. Uh, you know, I was more of a saver. And so like, I'd see this and I'd be like, what, that's the lifestyle I want? Like, okay. Like unhappily married, two or three kids all in private school, huge cost structure, not happy, like escaping every night by going drinking. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't know, like, I think this probably resonates with a lot of people. And for me, I was just like, this, this isn't, this isn't it. You know, this isn't it. And so the physical training side, yeah, that, that was my, that was the training was my kind of foray or like introduction into like mindfulness. Right. Cause I realized that I just felt good. I was addicted to, and it, it, you know what it was too. It's like an addiction, like anything else, kind of like addiction to fitness and just feeling good. And I, that was what did it for me, like working out and uh, just got so into it. And when I look back now, it's like, that was a crutch, just like all the other addictions are for people right like i needed that to, to feel escape. good a way to escape mm. um and so at first i was like oh wow this is amazing i have this job now where i can work on my own time uh i don't like my schedule is not i always wanted to make sure i was not nine to five like that was a big thing for me like, i guess i hated that i hated that like feeling like i was being herded to work on the subway with everybody else and wearing a suit and being in this like the structure. I hated that. And so all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I'm in a gym. I'm running the gym. I'm training people. I can make my own schedule, but it's still, there was still something missing, you know, like I just felt like, ah, God, it's still, even though I love what I'm doing and like, it's like way, like it's still not it. Mm. Um, and what that, was missing? 
I think it was, it was purpose, you know, and just knowing that there's more. And I always blame myself for just being too curious and just not being satisfied. Right. Mm. Like that's the thing I've always said to myself, like, why can't you just be grateful and be happy with what you have and just be, live a normal quote unquote normal life, you know? So I always felt pulled to that because that's what all my friends were and that's what everybody else was doing, but it never felt right. Mm. You know, it never felt right. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of led me down this path where um, I started doing therapy and that was really my real transition because I, my whole life, I hadn't been vulnerable. I didn't know what that meant. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've come from a very loving family, but we were not, we were a very emotionally closed off family, mm. you know. And, common story. Uh, very common, yeah. And I think mm. it's just that, that, that era. Um, and so I didn't know what that meant to, to feel, to feel emotions and to, to like be vulnerable and talk about your feelings. Like that was just always such a closed door for me. I was just like, whatever, that's like, that's like not a masculine thing, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so that led me to therapy. And I, I had this terrible notion of therapy, especially being in New York. I was like, oh yeah, it's such a New York thing to do, get a shrink and, mm-hmm. you know, like I was like, whatever. I was so closed off to it. And then my friend um, introduced me to her therapist and I started seeing her and she's very gentle and really kind and easy to talk to. And I felt like over time, I was like, wow, like, this is like very cathartic. Like it was opening, this releasing, this is stuff that, and I wasn't journaling at the time. I didn't know what that even was. And so I didn't have any release. So talking to this therapist was just felt so like healing. It just felt good to mm. open up. And then that led me to um, Fit for Service, which I knew Aubrey from just his podcast. And over the years, that I worked with on it some at my old place. We worked with them and I worked with Men's Health Magazine and stuff. So we, we did some work with on it. So I knew them and uh, I looked at Fit for Service and I felt this kind of the year you did, the first year, mm-hmm. I, I felt called to it. But then I, I went to go hit the pay button and I just couldn't do it. Uh, for whatever reason, I couldn't do it. And then the next year came up and I just had um, just had our daughter. So it was like a month before. And it was a very trying pregnancy because we had to, she was, um, she had a, a issue with a birth defect. And so we had to go to Philadelphia to from New York to give birth because this hospital, CHOP was a specialty hospital and she needed to have the surgery a couple of days after she was born. It was really intense, um, but she's beautiful and healthy and everything worked out, but it was just an intense time. And when I signed up for paper service, it was only like a month after she was born, a month and a half after she was born. And I was like, this couldn't be the worst time. This couldn't, there couldn't be a worse time to do this um, because, you know, I had all these expenses because was, it was crazy, like with the insurance and like maxing out all the deductibles. And it was just a bad time financially to try to do something like this. But I just felt this call that I, I had to do it. Um, and so I signed up and yeah, that kind of blew everything up. Like that was like therapy times a thousand. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button. And um, yeah, man, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the power of community because therapy is one thing, right? Going and seeing a therapist and really what I've learned through my own healing journey is what we're really looking for is someone to hold space for us, someone to be present, someone mm-hmm. to feel safe enough to drop into these deeper emotions. And if they do come up, be able to release them, be able to cry and be angry and in a, in a safe container. But you, when you do that with a group of people who are make you feel safe, make you feel seen and heard because they're showing up and being vulnerable as well. I mean, it's just exponential and it's so powerful. So let's talk about, you know, your healing journey and, you know, uh, thank you for sharing, you know, this progression. 
um, but taking it to the next level. And I think that's kind of where we're at collectively is there's, there is a deep internal healing that needs to happen on the individual level and the collective level with, with the old stories of where we're at. Like you were very much in the old world with the idea of this is what success looks like. And you look at the people's lives that have had that success mm-hmm. and they're unhappy. You can just see it and their internal world is just struggling and they're trying to fill that void that we all have with material stuff. And mm-hmm. it's really challenging in this consumer culture, always telling us we need more stuff to feel happy. And until we can learn to fill that void with self-love that we're never really going to satisfy it. Right. Cause mm-hmm. every single path leads us away, away from where we're actually looking, which is being present with the experiences unfolds. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about your healing journey and what that's like and you know, how that's evolved um, your, your spiritual connection as well. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. So self-love is a, something I didn't know. Like I remember people talking about self-love and I'm like, yeah, of course I love myself, but I didn't love myself. And I, and to be honest, it's still like, it's, it's not just easy to one day wake up and be like, oh yeah, I love myself. Like, it's not like that. It's, it's, it's way more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm still very much on that path and I'll be on that path for probably forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's about that ebb and flow of like, okay, you, you feel it sometimes, but then other times you get thrown back into the, the negative self-talk, which is where I sit most of the time, you know? And I feel like, people should hopefully people resonate with that. It's like you're your own worst critic and it's so easy. Like I know I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about this on podcast before where he's talking about like how you would never be friends. You would like, you're basically your own worst enemy. Yeah. You, you never just, talk to your friends the way you talk to yourself ever. Yeah. You would never talk to any human, even your worst enemy, the way you talk to yourself. Yeah. And I, sometimes I realize that I'm like, man, I am so hard on myself mm. and it's getting out of that, that mindset, right. Getting out of that, like, um, like just getting away from that. It's hard. And it's hard because I don't know, it's just these stories that we've made up for ourselves that how we're supposed to live, like you mm-hmm. said, and it's a lot of consumerism driv- drives it a lot and getting in what I just realized is like, I was sleepwalking, mm-hmm. you know, and it's weird to say it. I don't say it like I live this bad life because it's not that way at all, but I was just not in tune with myself. I didn't know what I didn't know what it meant. You know, I was like, mm. I just felt that there was something bigger out there, but I never really knew it. I just had this feeling for my whole, pretty much my whole life. I always had that feeling. And it was just like, what, like, what is this? You know? And, and, and then you start to come in, you start to be vulnerable with people and have these conversations and you realize other people are going through similar things. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, there's more there, you know? And what, what does that mean to be in the moment and be mindful? And so that's why I started these other things like meditation. And I started, I see your book over there, The Artist's Way. Interestingly, powerful one. Powerful one. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, I went up before I got into Fit for Service, I, I, I reached out to a psychedelic kind of um, guide um, to do a mushroom journey. Um, actually a couple different journeys, but he, the first time I met him, he recommended that book to me. And that book has been so profound and I still use it to this day. And I know like our friend Godzi talks about that book a lot and it's such a therapeutic way to get the shit in your head out. Mm, through to journaling. To the journal and, to, mm. and the whole premise of the book is super simple. It's like you write three pages a day until you fill your journal mm-hmm. and just write. And if you can't write, you just say, I, I, this is stupid. I don't like this. I'm bored. I can't, I don't have anything to think about, whatever. And you could write the same thing over and over and over. But by the time you get past that first page, all of a sudden shit starts coming out that you weren't expecting or you didn't even know is there. 
And that I think is this like subconscious stuff that we bury that we don't talk about because we're so caught up in our own lives. We, we can't get that out. And so for me, I got that out through therapy. For me, I got that out through conversations with guys like you and then journaling every day on my own. And then from that meditating and then like the psychedelic approach is more of an, it's just another tool to open yourself up to other frames of mind to think a little differently accessing the deeper parts of your unconscious yeah. with these tools that's what they do they allow you to look at some of the stuff that might be trapped energetically behind bring it to the surface and allow you to release it right and and you don't even you didn't even know that was there mm-hmm. and once you start on that path it's like wow how much how much deeper can i go mm-hmm. you know and um what i find i've told a lot of people this is like this expression that i've i don't maybe someone said it lots but two expressions that are polar opposites. One is the one that I've lived my life by the last couple of years is like, once you know, you can't unknow. Mm -hmm. Can't put Pandora back in the box. Can't put Pandora back (laughs) as much as you want to. Yeah. And like, for me, like this path has been beautiful, but also incredibly difficult. No doubt. I've, I mean, I I won't get into all the details, but it's been a crazy, crazy year and a half for me. Mm. And uh, I look back on it and I'm like, man, maybe like I, I, all the time I look back and I'm like, should this, man, should I just have gone back? Should I have ever started down this path? Yeah, is it worth it? Is it worth it? But then every single time the answer is like 100%, yes, it's worth it. Mm, I just started vibrating in my body. (laughs) I have the same thing. It's challenging because a lot of people, you know, you talk about sleepwalking, right? And and what does it mean to wake up? I think it's just the self-awareness of like the things that affect your life, the habits that you have, unconscious patterning. And when you start waking up and, and wanting, going down this growth path of healing, right? And when we talk about healing, it's really just a release of these old stories, of these old programmings, of these old ways of being, of these thought patterns that are keeping us small, these limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. all this deep stuff. That's what the healing journey is all about, is being able to process those and release them. And when you go on that path, initially it's it's really challenging because your environment and the people you're around, they might not be on the same path. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden you start growing and looking at yourself and trying to become a better person internally, and they might not you know, support you or they might try and hold you back because they're so much in their patterning, right? And when you try and break out of that, it's it's so challenging. But if you keep on it and keep going down the journey and keep releasing, you start being led by something that is greater than you, some kind of intelligence that's calling you to something greater and going, you know, outside your comfort zone, mm-hmm. challenging your limiting beliefs, like asking the question, who am I yeah. on a deeper level? Yeah. And I think, I think that what helps with that is having a community or a tribe of people like we have, right? Like that's so crucial to the whole story because like for me, I've been in Canada for the last, you know, off and on for the last year. And it's been challenging because I haven't been able to travel as much because of the quarantine rules and stuff with COVID. And you find when you get away from the kind of community or like-minded people, it's very easy to fall back into like old habits. And um, like you've said, we've, we've talked about this before, but like we're not here to instill our ideas. And I don't, I, I never try to do that with anyone. I never try to force anybody down anything. I just try to, I've just been trying to tell my story. But the fact is like a lot of people just aren't open to that and that's okay. Mm. And maybe they will. And maybe, maybe I'll, you know, conversations like this will help. Maybe they won't. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, I, for me, what was very, um, um, powerful uh, when I got into fit for service, I was hesitant to share it on social media because of judgment, fear of judgment and shame and all these things, even though it's like the most beautiful community I've ever been a part of, I was just like, oh, I don't, people are going to judge me for this. Mm-hmm. It took me a year, honestly. And uh, January of this year, I wrote this post about, about vulnerability. 
And I had a picture of us. Actually, you were in the photo. It was from uh, the Burning Man party we did in Tahoe last year, mm. where everyone was 100% sober, I think, for the most part, but it, just, it comes off I as wasn't. this. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. But it came off as this like big Burning Man thing. And, I, and it, it's a, you know, everyone was dressed up or. It was what, a lot of fun. Or, yeah. It was so and much Especially fun. during that time, because it was the first time, because we had the, the summit or the retreat planned like a couple months before then, but they had moved it back because it was like right when COVID yeah, was just was getting really intense. Up. And so that was like the first experience for a lot of us to like get back together yeah. and have connection and not be quarantined anymore. So it was even more powerful just to like let loose and be free. For it was once. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and it was very powerful because it was a powerful place in a, in, in a time when everyone was losing their minds about COVID and we were mm. just, we were just there with each other and it was fun. And anyway, that photo I put up on Instagram, I put this, this vulnerability post that I wrote, I sat on it for a month or like six weeks before I posted it. And then one day I was in therapy and I was like, I feel like I need, I need to get this out. I just felt like this release. And my therapist was like, do you, are you doing this for you? Or are you doing this for other people? And I was like, no, 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 this is for me. Mm, that's a great distinction too, to even yeah, ask that question. It is. And, and I didn't know. And I thought about it. I'm like, no, this is for me. This is something I need to do. So I put this post out, which is about vulnerability. It was super long and it's not my wheelhouse. I was in fitness. I'd be posting fitness stuff all the time. And just, you know, the usual shit that people post on Instagram that makes them, you know, look not like look like they're having a better life, but just, you know, all the positives, the, the highlight. Yeah. And so I put it out and it just got, for me, I don't have a massive following. So it got a ton of feedback and a ton of people commented and like, um, and I was just like, and I had some people DM me and like, I'm like, you know, proud of you for putting this out there. I know this is hard and like, it means a lot. And, um, and even other people reach out to me, asking me for help on a couple of things. And I was like, this is it. This is, this is why you need to tell the story because what else, like wh what else am I here for? You know, mm. like, why wouldn't I, like, why am I holding this back? Cause of fear of judgment, fear of what people are going to think of me. And that, that story, and this for anybody too listening is like, that's going to always come up. Always. It always comes up for me. And I still feel it. Like there's still lots of things that I haven't shared that I will. And I want to, but it's like, it's still hard. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a battle every day. And that's what I was getting alluding to earlier is like, this journey is not easy and it's not, it doesn't get easier. And I, but that's the cool part of it. It's mm -hmm. like, you're always you're always learning. You're always growing. It's not, there's no destination. It's not, mm, it's about the journey. It's about the journey. And the sooner you realize people realize that like, like retirement, for instance, has always been a weird thing for me ever since I was young. I was like, what is this whole idea of saving money to, and working crazy out like your whole life so you can enjoy, enjoy that money, old. enjoy being old. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life. I want to enjoy my body now. Yes. I don't want to wait till I'm 65 years old. Yes. And like, so how can I get to a place in my life where I'm enjoying the day to day, enjoying the journey, right? Enjoying life for what it is and not putting life off to a point where who knows I could die by then. Exactly. You know, I think that's the whole thing around death is people don't think about death. And until you can really confront the impermanence of life, you can't really fully live. And that's the only absolute truth I've come to, you know, everything else you can discuss and debate and there's philosophies and religions and spiritual teachings and science and all this stuff. And it's all just continuing to unfold with no actual solid answers. The only absolute truth is that everything is impermanent. Everything mm -hmm. is going to change, you know, throughout your life. And eventually this experience is going to be over. And it's a really beautiful gift death because mm -hmm. it's a shared experience that every human goes through. Nobody can transcend it. And, it's something that it's, it, in my opinion, it's the biggest gift of this experience because if we didn't know that we were going to die, then how are we going to actually fully enjoy the experience if we had forever to go? 
Yeah. And that's why I think now people are talking about these technologies are going to extend life and eventually we'll be able to live forever. And it's like, well, what would life be like if you live forever? It wouldn't be good. Yeah. Cause you would have nothing to like, there's going to be no sense of urgency. No, there wouldn't be. And we're so, as a culture, we're so fearful of death, at least in Western culture. Mm-hmm. It's such a taboo thing. It's such a taboo thing. And it's like the, everything, healthcare, everything is, is geared towards saving people from death. Yeah. Even if you're like on your last breath, they'll do everything in their power, spend tons of money, resources to keep you alive for just two weeks longer mm-hmm. in a hospital bed connected to wires. Yeah. Like, why do we do that? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I don't I mean, before I thought that was a normal thing, but yeah. now I'm like, that's not. It's usually the people that the closest family members are hanging on, not wanting to mm-hmm. let go. Right. And we think it's like this thing, but until we fully understand death and actually think about it and, you know, psychedelics has had a huge impact on mm-hmm. me because it's uh, allowed me to understand that there is an energy that goes on past mm-hmm. death. And that's usually one of the questions I ask everybody on this podcast, but since we're talking about it, we'll kind of go out of order here. Yeah. What do you think happens when you die, when we die, when the, this experience in this plane of existence is over? Well, let me take a step back real quick and say that um, just to, I was two years ago, I was, I had the word spirituality, God, the universe, all these things were huge religion. All these things were huge triggers for me. If someone brought up that or a quote from the Bible or something, I'd be like, so turned off. Now I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't prescribe to organize religion. I, I, I think it's, I don't think it's a good thing at all. In fact, but, but the fact there's a higher being, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, call it God, call it the universe, call it source, you know, whatever thing you have to call it. I, there's no question in my mind that there's, there's more. Mm-hmm. What that is, I'm still trying to figure it out, but and who knows? We, none of us know. I think that's the whole point is to continue to figure it out. Right? Yeah, like we're, we're planted with this desire to know God. I think every that's a shared thing. Some people might not understand that consciously. and They might try and fill that void. But I think that void is to, to, to understand God. We are God looking to understand itself. And it can't be understandable or else the journey would have an end. Exactly. So it's constantly unfolding on itself where we have this desire to understand and go out and seek and find truth, but there is no absolute truth because then there would be an endpoint. So exactly. it's like creates this infinite loop of experience. And until you can fully understand that, you're not going to, that forces you to be present in the awe of the experience into not knowing. Right. And that's the journey. That's the part of uh, mm-hmm. enjoying the journey because there is no endpoint mm-hmm. that we know of. And I think for me, what what's funny is the, I'll dumb it down the simplest way possible. Uh, what I feel closely aligned to is that the movie Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great one and it's like a kid's it's like yeah you know it's a beautiful movie and like that resonates with me it's simple and it's like yeah there's probably that that's kind of how i feel like it probably is you know mm-hmm. we get different shots at different lives mm-hmm. and uh and that's that's pro- that's kind of how i look at it you know like it's it's there is more afterlife and what is that what's heaven what's whatever you want to call it and i think that's probably what it is and i think people I think heaven, like the idea that I was raised with, that everyone in goes to church is raised with, is like, oh, there's this magical place in the sky that you, there's a gate and you get to go through it if you're good and you abide by the rules of the Bible or whatever. I never read the Bible, so I don't really know much about that, the, all the, that, but it's like- It's misinterpreted. Mostly. Yeah. But I think like, that's not it. Like what it is, is, is figuring out like what we're doing right now, you know, and you can make your life- heaven if you want to call it that or you can make it hell and i think a lot of people choose to make it you know 
you know, hell. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause you're, right. cause you're in this place where you're, you're not happy. You're not living your life. You can't be in the moment. You don't, you're not present. You're not, your relationships aren't what they could be. And like, what's that? Is that. Mm. Yeah. I think about that a lot too. Cause it's like, what, if there was a God, why would there be so much suffering and pain? And why are we have to go through these journeys of like experiencing that? Mm-hmm. And you know, the separation, like we're all one, but why do we have to experience the separation? I just had Adrian Ellison on my podcast a couple, a couple podcasts ago, a couple episodes ago. So if you guys want to go check this out, she, she put it together really well in, in, in sharing that the separation is the gift because through our separation is the journey to understand wholeness and oneness and God. Mm -hmm. And so through that experience, I know with you sharing your story, similar to my story, all of like life hasn't always been easy to get to this point. It's been really challenging. And and now I get to a point where if something's challenging, it's I'm grateful for it. Like you it's being it? able to be present with it because all of the challenges and adversity and suffering and experiences have all led to amazing amounts of growth. And they've all led me to mm-hmm. search yeah. for there's there's more deeper meaning. This isn't it. This isn't it. Okay, I'm going to go over here. Still, I haven't found it here. I'm going to go over here. And it's, it allows you to be guided to what feels good, mm-hmm. which is the experience. So separation and the suffering is actually a gift. And until you can fully understand that, you're going to be searching in the wrong places to fill that void. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's easy to, like, if you think about what you've been through or what I've been through, and I think about this a lot, it's like, do you have any regrets? Or you look back on the decisions you made and you're like, well, no, that got me to that got me to where I am today. And mm. if, and you can say that, I hate that question. Like, what would you tell your 25 year old self? I'd tell him fucking nothing. I'd be like, just do you. Because if you changed anything, you wouldn't be where you are. And it's like the smallest thing, right? Yeah. Like if I hadn't felt that calling to join fit for service, like where would I be, mm. you know? And I, I probably would have set myself back a couple of years, but I probably would have got there eventually. Mm-hmm. But it was like this accelerator. And it's like, it, you know, all these little things that happen in your life, they all happen for a reason. And it does feel kind of oddly like it, it all is kind of meant. Like mm-hmm. I know everyone, we always talk about the matrix and whatnot, but sometimes it feels that way. It's like, mm-hmm. it's meant to unfold the way it's going to unfold. And like, yeah, it's the idea of free will, right? Do we yeah. have free will? Do it or no way, right? Yeah. You know, and I like the, I, that question is, you know, I would tell my 25 year old self, the only thing I would say is like, just go for it. Yeah. Like yeah. just continue to go for it. Like, go for it more, mm-hmm. like go, go, go against, like go towards what scares you the most, go, right. go experience life to the fullest. And like, it's good to think about that because in this present moment, it's like, okay, what about 20 years from now? What would I tell myself? Mm-hmm. Like, I would probably the same thing. Go for it. Like, don't be Continue. scared. And that's yeah. how you live life is don't live in fear and the limiting beliefs of why you think you can't, but just go for the experience of life. If it's hard, if it's challenging, if it's good, if it's bad, like don't label Embrace it. it, embrace it all. Yeah. Lean in. Lean and it's hard. It's hard. It's, 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 it's not easy. It's not easy. And that's the other expression to, once you know, you cannot know the opposite of that is the expression that everyone knows is ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think there's for some, some truth to that. there is some truth. There's a lot of truth to it. Yeah. And I think for some people that's, that, that is meant for them. Mm-hmm. Like they're not meant to go down this, this path. Cause it's not, not only is it not easy, it's just, a, it's, yeah, it's constant. It's a struggle and you got to want to lean into that struggle. Mm. Um, and d- d- demystify, get rid of the stories like that you've been telling yourself your whole life. And not everyone's up for that. And that's fine. Mm. And, I, and I have zero judgment of anyone that's like, not everyone wants to do this and that's cool. Mm. And, but if we can inspire people or that there's these conversations like this, help people start to think about the idea of it, then that's awesome. Yeah. Let's, you know? let's talk about where the, where the world is headed because 
it seems like we've obviously gone through a huge experience collectively and globally. And it, I can see there's massive shifts taking place. You know, I think the financial markets, the political mm-hmm. environment, like all of this stuff. How do you see the world and where we're headed and what can the individual do to help make the world a, a better place? It's an interesting question because I feel like since I've gotten into this kind of, uh, you know, world of, um, call it whatever, spirituality, like mindfulness, what I feel like everything I follow, whether it be via social media or the people I know or whatever, it feels like everyone's going in this kind of same direction. Mm. And sometimes I'm like, is that because- it's the this, algorithms. Yeah, right. They're feeding like, you what's your content you like. Yeah, right? and crazy. I'm like, is that because- um, is that because I've now associated more closely with a group of people that I might not have before? Mm -hmm. Or is it because there's this growing kind of collective energy that's going on in the world? I think it's probably a combination of both. I still feel like the majority probably, you know, I don't know who knows what the percentage, but it's probably very, very low. They're kind of on this kind of path. Um, But for me, like, I think what people can do, what I can do is just tell my story. Mm-hmm. and share, be open, be vulnerable, just speak your truth, you know, as much as you can and not, and the more you do that, the more it helps other people do the same thing. And then that sets a person down on a path of this, what we talked about before is, is self-love and just being, doing that inner work and being true to who you are as a person. And maybe most people don't even know what that means. I, I'm still figuring that out. Mm. And I think the more that we can do that, the more we realize like, it's all kind of bullshit. You know, we've been fed like this, this story that's just not, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's not about like your house and your cars and whatever. It's about your relationships. It's about just feeling good about being yourself mm-hmm. and, and whatever that is, whatever it is. And you know, you know, you and I are exposed to a very wide ranging group of people and it's, it's like, it's different for everybody and there's no judgment. And it's like, just live your best life, live the life you were here to, or figure out the life you were, you were led here to, to live. Mm, how do we do that? <laughs> well, I think it starts by, being open to it, like being open to change and being open to like figuring out what the stories are that you've been telling yourself your whole life. It's like what we talked about. It's it's being curious, being curious and like that natural curiosity. I think we both were born with. And like, if you're, if you're really interested in, in becoming the best version of yourself, get curious and Mm -hmm. look at yourself and like, wait, what, why am I not getting to where I want? What's the habit? What's the thing holding me back? What's the belief? Yeah. And I think, I think just being open, like, I'll be honest, like what kind of got me into all of this really like was fitness. Sure. But like, I listened to tons of podcasts and I, I listened to Joe Rogan back when he wasn't what he is today. And it was podcasts like his where I'm like, man, this is how I think. Like I'm always asking these questions and I love talking to people from all these different backgrounds and just genuinely curious about what they're doing. And, and you learn so much, you know, mm. like a classic example is like, I I'm from Canada. We don't have guns in Canada. It's not a thing. And Canadians think like guns are bad and whatever. And, and look, there's tons of arguments you can make on the whole thing, but like Joe Rogan had a guy on this guy, uh, Colian Noir. He's a really smart lawyer from Houston. He's black and he was anti-gun and he got into, you know, he got really into guns and 
before listening to something like that, right? I'd be like, oh, whatever, this guy is just like gun proponent, whatever. But then you listen to a three hour conversation with someone who's very well educated about where his beliefs are on like the Fifth Amendment and things like that. And you're like, oh, okay. Like I see where they're coming from. So rather than just put them in this box of like whatever you've come up with based on what people have told you or what you've believed from growing up, you're like, oh, you're open to that idea. And, and mm. the same thing goes for politics. This is the other thing, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I listened to Tim Ferriss interview Glenn Beck years ago. And Glenn Beck, in my mind, was this crazy Fox guy, right? Mm. That's the box I put him in. Then I listened to him talk and I'm like, wow, this guy is incredibly smart. And I appreciate where he's coming from. And he's, he's religious and that's fine, but this is his view. And like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. It's not about being a liberal or being a conservative. It's about just being open to how other people think. Realizing we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And it's in, and, and that's the problem with our culture and right now. And it's, it's, you see it. It's so profound. Like, even Trump, right? Such a trigger for so many people. But I had friends who were Trump supporters. I want to hear what they have to say because mm -hmm. if I don't know what they're saying, then I have no appreciation for it. Mm. So easy to put a guy like that in a box and say he's like a, a dick and he's an asshole and all these things, which he may be and he, he is actually in a lot of ways, but, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Like you need to see other people's perspective or we're never going to be able to like, just, which, like it, that's the way it needs to be. We need to be able to be, comfortable with our differences. I think that's what it is too, is it's, it's presence, right? Like how can you be present with people and actually hear them and, 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 and allow them to share without energetically trying to think or defend or change their mind. But if you're present and allow someone to, you actually hear them, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can have an open conversation. But as soon as someone has a different belief and you automatically need to defend mm -hmm. your own beliefs, like, mm -hmm. what are you holding on to? Like, why are you so attached? Right. And I think people really want certainty. It's the same thing with organized religion. Like, they want to know what happens when they die. So that uh, this belief system tells me and absolves me of responsibility of actually having to, like, look exactly. at that. So I can attach to this. And that's what creates dogmatic belief systems, mm -hmm. creates division, creates war, creates conflict. When we can't really come to the table and be like, hey, what if we both didn't really know? These are just ideas, beliefs, most of which have been programmed into us by peers, media, family, uh, parents, like all these experiences. Like, do you, do you actually believe that or do you feel like you need to believe that? Right. And actually coming to the table and critically thinking about what you believe and what resonates with you rather than just attaching to this like tribal you know, ideology mm -hmm. certainty. of like, the certainty, like I need to know and I know. And if you're, if you're right and I let you be right, then that means I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, understanding when you start questioning your own beliefs, like these, some of these beliefs are so deeply seated that they're the foundation of what a reality is built on. Mm -hmm. And so when you start understanding this and I've questioned down deep, deep, deep levels and explored consciousness through some plant medicines and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to points where I've, I've deconstructed the actual like fabric of reality and I've been in those spaces and I don't, not everybody needs to get to that point because yeah. when you're in that point, you kind of start floating in the void and it can mm -hmm. be very ungrounding mm -hmm. and that can happen. So that experiencing that, like I have a lot more compassion for people where they're at because they're holding on to certainty because they, re I realize if they, if they question their religious beliefs, it's like pulling the rug out from under them and everything that's built on top of that belief system is collapsing and then they can be in free fall. And that is, you know, people talk about like spontaneous spiritual awakenings. Like a lot of people are diagnosed with psychosis and they go into loony bends rather than being able to properly guide it through an experience like that because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, you're questioning reality, you're going crazy. And it's like, well, Here's maybe- a pill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, um, 
yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think that's, that, that's the thing, right? It's like, it, it can be ungrounding and we all, I think it's our egos, right? And this is all the work that we do and I've been doing. And it's like our ego clings to safety, mm-hmm. right? And we want safety. And so certainty is safety. Mm-hmm. And the more we can like, let go of that story and this is, and the ego is also the, 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 the voice in your mind that's telling you that the self, the negative talk, the negative self-talk comes from that, that ego. Right. Mm. And I think the more we can get away from, from that and like figure out what it's interesting. This is another thing. I I don't know if you talked about this much, but internal family systems. Right. And I, Mm. I listened to a podcast with this guy, Richard Schwartz, and it was, I think it was on Tim Ferriss. I don't know what it was, but he guided him through this thing where you think about yourselves and yeah, it's like, the different archetypes that live within you, right? Yeah, and it's it sounds like a crazy thing. Like it's like if you told me about it two years ago, I'd be like, "What?" And it's basically like looking at yourself and being like, "Okay, what are myself?" Mm. Like oh, we so all have multiple personalities. Story. Multiple. We all have it. We all have it. And but we take bipolar people, and we, like you said, we throw them in the loony bin or whatever. We give them pills that so they can't feel. Mm. But we do have all these different selves within ourselves. Like there's yeah. the everyone has it, right? There's the scared, fearful self. There's the confident, like higher self, right? There's the there's the like softer yeah. loving self the inner child that the comes in is really playful and like laughing and right. free that or the one or the inner child that's that's scared to death that's and hurt that's hurt and mm. everybody has that even though they don't think they might they everyone has that and it's like getting to know and this is stuff i've just started kind of doing and there's another book james fadiman who's uh he wrote the psychedelic explorer's guide mm. i haven't read this book yet but it's called like um i forget what it's called. something about the selves he just came out with it and it's similar to internal family systems where you like start to like look into the different parts of you mm-hmm. and like have conversations with those parts. Yeah. It's and the it same sounds- thing with journaling, right? Like when you journal, there's a part of you that starts journaling and it's like, you're having a conversation with that aspect of yourself that may be in the unconscious. Yeah. And when you're able to have a, con- like if you get triggered and you're angry, like, Oh wow. Like, why am I angry? Like, why are you angry? What part of me is angry? Right. And then, something magical happens or there'll be an event or something that maybe when you were younger that you triggered and that releases every time the situation happens, you get angry for a reason because something happened when you're younger. And when you can look at that and have a conversation with that, it it deescalates that control aspect of the self that's presenting itself in that situation. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's, and I think it's hard because we might not even know that's there. So until you, until you start doing that work, like we've been talking about, that's when it starts to come out because that shit's buried. You know, it's been, it's been pushed down and I, what's the word I'm looking for there. It's just like suppressed, suppressed. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's, you don't even know it's there mm-hmm. until you do. Yeah. Let's talk about the importance. I know, you know, physical exercise and moving your body and feeling good physically. And I, t- I tell people all the time, like you can't access these higher levels of awareness. You can't question the stories. You can't feel good emotionally, mentally. If you don't feel good physically first, that's mm-hmm. really where it all starts. That is the foundation. So talk a little bit about your journey with human optimization. I know you're really into fitness and supplementation and, and the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about how people can, you know, the, the importance of feeling good physically, and then we'll kind of go into what you're creating with memory. Yeah, I think um, I think it's important. I think for me, that's been my gateway. And it's not the same with everybody. Like, you know, there's some of these like spiritual leaders, like they're the opposite. They want to like the body is just like a vessel, right? But I think for most people, especially as a gateway, like whether, and it doesn't have to be for me, it's been through like, you know, heavy strength and conditioning workouts and stuff like that, that just gives, that clears my mind and makes me realize like, it keeps me in the moment. And as soon as I'm done one of those, a workout, I just feel so good. 
I feel like I get, and everyone knows this, it's endorphin releases. Maybe you hear people talk about it all the time. It's if you work out in the morning, for instance, it just sets your day up so well because you're clear, you're focused, you're like, you feel good in your body. And I think the more people can get to that place and it doesn't have to be through intense workouts. It can be through yoga. And that's how a lot of people get to, and there's a lot, there's, you know, the connection between yoga and spirituality, like it's very profound, but just having that experience to be able to get out of your head because meditating is not easy for people at first. And still, I still struggle with it and I do it almost every single day. It's hard because it's so easy for that shit to creep into your head and, and just the negative self-talk or the, the stories and like, why am I doing this? But like when you're doing a workout, it, it gives you something to focus on and you just feel good. And that spills over into the emotional, mental, spiritual, like they're all connected. And you might get, it's very rare, I think, to go from spiritual to physical. It's, it's it, the, the, for me, the easy pathway is from the physical to the other avenues. And if you can open up physically and feel good physically, and you're open to these other concepts, the, they're there for you, right? If you're going to just work out and then like forget about everything and, and, don't do the work. Like that's what most people do, right? Because they feel good. They feel good for the day. Then the next day they're like, I got to do that again so I can feel good again. But they never take it any, a, t- a step further, right? And I think for me, like lately for the last few years, it's been fitness and and whatnot. But now I'm, I've kind of tried to change that into like, how do I branch that into a meditation practice? And how do I get people more? And like, and like I, 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 I don't like the term biohacking, actually. I, I don't like that. I like the term optimization and what we can do to just feel better in our bodies to access these like higher sounds, like that positive, that, that, that part of you. Like, and everyone has it, right? You have those days and it doesn't matter who you are, where you feel like you're in flow or you're on tilt, and they call it in poker or whatever, mm. where you just, everything feels good. And it's like, how do we get to that more often? Because you can't live in that world because it, that's, but, but we want to live there as much as we can. Like, mm-hmm. How do we feel good? Like, I feel good having this conversation with you right now, mm-hmm. right? How do we, so what does that mean? So what do I do to get there? And it's like being good, phys- feeling good physically, whether that be, and I hate diet. So like, but like a ketogenic um, uh, plan, not, not a diet, because I don't like the word lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. And like that has this, uh, people judge people, people judge that people judge the carnivore diet. It doesn't matter. But if you just play around with these things to, to experiment mm. and just challenge yourself again, getting away from that certainty, this is how I eat. This is what I like. And realizing like, Oh, a lot of sugar actually has an effect on me. Try it out. Like mm. take dairy out of your diet. Do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Do you feel the same? Okay, fine. Keep it. But like, don't just follow something to follow it. Like play around with different ideas, different types of workouts, different people, try to different diets, different breathing. Like breath work is so profound and I'm just scratching the surface on breath work, but Mm. it's so profound. And then, then, then on top of that, and that's when you start doing this work, the psychedelics and the, the other tools come into play, aesthetic dance. And you're like, wow, like what a journey, man. Mm. And come to your own conclusions, right? Like yeah, go out and find your own truth, 100%. find out what works for you, you know, don't attach to anything. What, like, what is true for you? What resonates for you? Mm-hmm. And if you were, grew up in a religious belief system, do you actually believe that? Have you gone on the journey? Cause for me, it's like when I, when I, I grew up in the Christian household and I, it forced me cause it didn't resonate to go find my own truth. And I had so much resistance to it, but now full circle back 
into what Christianity was supposed to be in the story of Jesus, like it resonates with me so hard, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And in, until I can come full circle and go out and search my own truth and experience life through my own journey, I can't actually come back and fully believe what was true in that teaching, what Jesus is actually trying to teach. And now since I did that, I have full conviction of what Jesus was, who he was as a mystic and as a man, mm-hmm. not these ideologies and belief systems that were built around his teachings, right? right. There's such a distinction. But until you go on that journey and figure it out for yourself, what works for you, what diet works for you, how do you feel good in your own body, different protocols and not attaching and just taking, there's so much information out there. So like much. go try different stuff and figure out what works for you. Yeah, and just p- play around, man. Just enjoy mm. it. Enjoy like, and it's challenging. It's just, mm. it's challenging to to do a ketogenic diet or to start working out. Like these are big things, but it's like, it's just taking a baby step, right? And I know people talk about this all the time. It's very common, but like just that little small incremental step Yep, to, start slow. To, to start slow and, and don't throw yourself into the freaking the fire because it's not going to work if you do that. That's why I like to say consistency over intensity. Consistency, yeah, it's a Get great way. Get up and do to, just a little bit more. Just a little go bit more. Go on a walk. Yeah, go on a walk to start. Try and do it consistently. Yeah. Oh, you're feeling good. You're out in the sun. You're getting yeah. those rays, that vitamin D. You're moving your body. Oh, maybe I'll go do 30 air squats when I'm done with my walk. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll start going to the gym for 20 minutes. But if you're right. like, I need to go to the gym for two hours and you do it once, you get really sore and you're like, ah, oh, and then the next day you like, do it. And then all of a sudden you're just back in those habits Yeah, because it, it's too hard to make that leap. And we see it time and time again, right? It's like New Year's resolutions, right? Like, mm. And if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to do it. Yep. And no matter what you're doing in your life, if you're not enjoying doing it, you're not getting something out of it. If it's just a pain and you, you hate it, then you're not going to stick with it. Yeah. Make it a game. Make it a game. Make it fun. Yeah. I love it. So share a little bit about what you're building Memori. with uh, with Memori. Yeah. So Memori is actually the name Memori comes from Memento Mori, which is what we were talking about earlier, which is a Stoic philosophy term. It's uh, Latin for one day we'll, we're all going to turn to dust or we're all going to die. Mm. And I see your book over there, Ryan Holiday. It's actually where I got onto Stoicism through Ryan Holiday. <clears throat> stillness is the key is the book he's looking at. Yeah, stillness is the key and the ego is the enemy. Mm-hmm. This is other book. Um, and so I just always love that expression. Like it's, it just so it rings so true to me about the impermanence of life. Mm. And like every day when you're thinking to yourself, like I am how stressful things can be or how stressed you are. It's like, well, I'm going to die. Is it really that stressful? Like someday this is all, this is all like the impermanent side. It's like, well, this is, this is, is am I really, that's, it's just really that stressful. And sometimes it is. And sometimes you, you can't snap out of it. Right. But that was the concept of it. And um, the idea initially so we were going to do a combine similar to like what you did <laughs> getting into the NFL where we brought in anybody who wanted to participate and do like a NFL style combine. We had this, we had this awesome guy from on it, CJ, and he, pro, he works with a bunch of pro athletes, pro NFL guys like Baker Mayfield and whatnot. And uh, so we had this whole thing planned where we we're going to do like bring people in and you're going to do, you know, pretty intense workouts and training Um all scalable to whatever level you're at, but that was the idea. And then we were going to combine that with some mindfulness work, right? So some, some hot and cold therapy, you know, ice baths and whatnot, some breath work, some workshops with people who we're familiar with um, in the mindfulness space, you know, Kyle Kingsbury and other folks. And the idea was is to open up what we're talking about to people who might be sleepwalking, but they have this, they love to work out, right? They love the physical, they love to train, they love to push themselves. Like lots of people I know, like type A personalities are always push, 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 but they never take a step back. Mm. And so the concept was to do that, was to bring people in who are like that, to bring them in with like the physical, but then start to just 
maybe give them a couple other thought patterns that might help them think a little bit differently. Mm. Um, so it's been interesting. So we launched it and we were planning on doing it at the end of May. And the proceeds, most of the proceeds were going to be, other than the once the costs recover, we we're going to donate the proceeds to Fight for the Forgotten, um, Justin Wren's charity that uh, builds wells for the, the pygmies in the, in the Congo and Uganda. And, um, but I had this kind of number in place. I was like, I'm, unless I get enough people, I, you know, I need to make it worthwhile for the speakers and the coaches and, and the charity. So unfortunately we have to, we're going to have to move it probably till the fall. But, um, yeah, that's the idea. The idea is just to, and I'm, I'm, we're still working on it. We're kind of retooling it, but it's going to be awesome. And I think that the idea really behind it is when you get into the spiritual realm, it's very easy to get lost in, in the deep, deep woo woo you know, which is stuff that would scare, would have scared me two years ago. If someone started talking about even some of the things we're talking about today, I would have been very put off by it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't need to be talking about, again, trigger words that trigger people like Christ consciousness or spirituality or whatever. Like it can be, all right, let's, let's work out. Let's, Mm. let's like get our bodies moving. And then let's talk about some stuff. Let's like, let's talk about like meditating, what that means. Let's talk Mm. about you know, what your passions and your purpose is. Are you happy? Like, what are you doing? And just start to ask these bigger esoteric questions. And then hopefully that inspires people to, to, to start asking those questions and then tell their stories. And, and we're talking about opening up the collective, right. Of the, of the world. Like to me, that's the way to do it is like, I would, for me, I'm the, I'm the meathead guy. I'm a, I'm a bridge to like, I want to be a bridge to the, the people who are don't even consider these things mm-hmm. rather than be for me. I'm not the one who's taking people on medicine journeys. Cause that's just not me. It's not mm-hmm. my calling. Right. And so that's the idea behind Memori. And so it's exciting where it's, it's going to be, it's a fun thing. And I feel like it's um, that even just talking to you about it now, it just feels like something I'm, I'm meant to do at this point. And it's crazy. Cause it's hard to think about like getting back into something mundane you know, um, mm. because it's hard. It's just, you, it's just not there. Like, yeah. When you start up. waking up to the idea that you are the creator of your reality. And when something inspires you and you know, the only thing that's keeping you from creating it is yourself. It's almost like you, you there's no other choice yeah. you have to show up and do it. Yeah. It's really beautiful, man. And, um, there'll be links in the show notes. Where can people follow along with the journey as you create this experience? And I know you're going to be providing some content on the yeah. journey to get people, you know, this accessible stuff. Like if you're someone that really likes to move your body, work out, and you're interested in, in reaching higher levels of awareness in a very accessible way, I think this is something that's great for the listeners who might be in that realm. So where can they find? Yeah, for that? sure. So our plan right now, we're, we're building a mailing list and we're sending out d- different free content. It's going to start out with um, like different workouts and physical side. And then we'll probably, we'll get into more content around mindfulness and whatnot. And we'll send those out for free if you sign up for the newsletter. And, uh, you know, just keep people engaged and hopefully build that, that trust with the brand, right? So we can blow it up and make it a much bigger thing um, later on in the year. So it's uh, Instagram is at Memori. So it's M-E-M-M-O-R-I uh, project. Um, that's at Memori project. And the website is um, memoriproject.com. And uh, yeah, my Instagram handle, I, I post about it is just Ian underscore Creighton. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. And I, I can, you can, people can DM me on Instagram. It's a pretty easy way to get a hold of me. Um, and the only other thing I'd probably highlight is the other thing I've been working with is the fit for service. They have an app out, um, called the fit for service Academy, where if anyone's interested in getting into some of the stuff we're talking about today, it's like, I think $18, you get the first month free and it's 18 bucks a month after that. And we get into a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. And it's like a way to dip your toe into the waters if you're interested in any of this but not like wanting to go full bore 
Mm. Um, so I say those are the places and I'm on there. You can, people can reach me there too. So yeah, uh, yeah those are the spots. I love it. All that stuff will be in the show notes. Uh, so definitely check that out. If you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. And if you are a premium subscriber, then stick around because we're going to have an extended episode here with Ian and ask him what his secret to the universe is. If you're not a premium premium subscriber and you'd like to have access and support this podcast financially, it is $7 a month. And there is a link in the show notes to get a whole premium feed. It's really simple to sign up for. And when you do, you'll get extended episodes. You'll get opportunities to drop into live podcast recordings, a bunch of other free content as well. And I really appreciate it for that support. If you just want to support the podcast, uh, for free. A good way to do that is leave a review, rate the podcast and share it with anybody that you think this might resonate from with. Uh, Ian, thank you so much, brother. Dude. Love you, brother. Thanks for having me, man. It was, uh, it was a blast. This was a great conversation. Yeah, it Seriously, fun. man. It was fun. I'd love to do it again. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Love you, brother. Love you too, bro.